for going so far off topic and bringing up race but it's in the art that we do both of us you know and and and, and, and stupidly enough again like i said this to you off off the recording but uh you were my first uh, non-white interviewees so like you i we first black say it <laughs> i was trying well, well, well but there are other other races and i haven't had any of those races oh, yeah, <laughs> so, like, so you're my first non-white like so it's not even you know, I haven't had any Asians or any any other ethnicities yet, okay. uh, because I've only, been, I've only been in Prague up right. till now, and this is literally my first time getting out of Prague. And then from here, I'm going to move on to other cities. The plan plan is uh, Paris and Amsterdam and mm. London, and uh, hopefully, I'm going to get some grants to go to like Norway and Finland and these kinds of places over That's time. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea is to just keep traveling around and just keep hearing stories of people's lives and people's experiences in the arts and the database the knowledge base Ooh, of the podcast will just grow and grow and grow that's okay. the plan well thank you for having us well thank you for being here it's great on the fifth floor are you thinking it's over no 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 i'm just saying oh, okay. thank you for having us i mean you know <laughs> absolutely i'm fun. happy to have you well your gallery rep you uh, sent you to me actually yeah they, they're wonderful they work hard yeah they work hard you're the young. So let's go all the way back to our, where we were with. You're just coming out of school. You all are very young. You all have this very different sort of perspective on your future, mm-hmm. and you're having to sort of rely a lot more on grants and residencies and all these kinds of things. And so, like one big thing, one let's let's try and do them like sort of one by one, like little things. Mm-hmm. Writing artist statements. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate it. Hmm. I used to hate it. Yeah, tell me about it. Like because I mean, honestly, you're Rohan, you're in in a residency. Yeah. You are in an international art fair. Kevin, trying to make sure to use your names. <laughs> so like you're obviously doing something right. I guess so. I guess, yeah, yeah, I guess so. And, and and I think the artist statement is always in in many ways. I mean, obviously the art is your calling card, but the artist statement having being able to write well and being able to write well about yourself is an art in itself, right? Absolutely. And it's like, I think and I, I, don't I feel know. miserably at it. That's why I'm I'm looking to you, <laughs> to saying give like, you do. Well, no, like, so what's your um, your way of approaching writing an artist statement? What mm. What do you try? What, what do you think are the characteristics of a good, strong artist statement? I mean, I mean, I think it comes back to that um, the, the same piece of advice you were giving to your Muslim woman students right is to write about yourself and to really unpack what what that means um in your work or like through your work and to make links between where you are and where you're situated with what your work is trying to say like that for me is like the mark of of, of a good artist statement or even just the mark of a good practice and then the artist statement is just a way of synthesizing that practice into into words so if you know what your work is and you know your position within that work it's like it's it's, it's becoming the um is becoming one of the, the 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 anchors in that set of um in that set of uh, coordinates and writing into those coordinates okay how do you get to that understanding uh, did you go to therapy? Do you like what, what do you do? Like, like, you spent two years in grad school yeah, just so you could write an artist statement. Trauma therapy is what it's called. I, you know, I, I went in it really technical because I used to think I was a bad writer before I did my grad applications. And um, I had a person tell me you you should but you should write that thing as if you believe you're infallible and see how that goes since you you know just see how it goes and mm. i thought that was a really interesting piece of advice so i wrote it like i knew everything i was talking about right okay. and i was like actually yeah the goal would be you would know or at least you know when you don't know so like i like a good example is when i when i used to teach people about artist statements 
when I was TAing and stuff. In I was going to say, wait a minute, you were teaching people how to write artist statements? Yeah, I've done that. In, I used to be a high school kind of teacher for. I I taught in high school, but only for one year. Wait a minute, people were writing artist statements in high school. Yeah, I didn't artist write artist statements in high school, and I was an art student. Ah, uh, it depends on your teacher. I thought it was important. Okay, just my, to be my teacher to did not think it was important. Obviously. Basically, uh, I always was like, okay, you can't start with my work, X, Y, Z. Some people do. Okay, well, let's go down to like a, that little minutia of that. Mm. Using I, me, and my. Good way to go? Or should, like, do you write it as a, like a third person thing? Like about the artist as a third person? Or about sort of yourself using I, me, and my? I think you just better be damn good if you're going to really write my work as the first thing you say. Like, because, like, my first artist statement, I probably still have it on there because I, I like this intro, but I used to write that I always found poetry in objects that convey multiple histories. So it's what a I'm, good phrase. That's, that's, that's your first line? That's my first It's a good phrase. Be, because then it tries to situate you in this space where it's like, okay... I'm telling you right now, I find a specific kind of ephemera or poetic response to objects and because of what they do. Not, right, objects because of what they do. Not because uh, my work just does this. It's like, this is why mm. I do this. Well, but you've, set up, you've also set up that you're also well-informed about history also because you, you've mentioned that the objects need to have a history, so therefore you, by producing art, about objects with a history is in, is sort of expressing that you have a mastery of that knowledge also. Mm. So it, it's a very nice statement to, to begin with because it sets up a set of things that make me think you are very knowledgeable on a like three different levels in one phrase. And my yeah. and if you say my work is X Y Z, it might not do that. Yeah, that feels kind of. I would never do that. When I was in, in, I don't even know what school I was in, but I was at some school and some teacher told us to start off with a Latin phrase is always a good way to start off. Oh, a Latin phrase. Yeah. Like literally a Latin Literally phrase. a Latin phrase. That, like, you know, basically, it's like, quote, quote somebody else was the idea to start off. So like, I remember writing them with like quoting, you know, Nietzsche and, and Kant and, and, and Freud. I mean, it was the most pompous, arrogant crap you've ever read in your life. And I was embarrassed to have written it, but that's what my, my teachers were telling me at the time was the right way to do it. And these things always change as well, right? I mean, and that's why you're asking us because here we are and it's, it's a different thing. You are the contemporary yeah. generation. And so yeah. I'm sort of wanting to hear what's going on. I mean, don't get me wrong. I actually do uh, portfolio reviews mm. online okay. uh, for lensculture.com. Like it's all photographers. Yeah. And I'm reading artist statements every day, like every day. And they are horrible. Uh, the most people who write artist statements are just atrocious at it. And all I keep trying to tell them is, is that be very specific. Details tell the story. Be very personal. Be very vulnerable. Be, be very intimate. The, the, if you can sort of entice out of the statement the idea of why somebody made the work, hmm. then it's been successful. Like that that's what I want to know. When I read an artist name, I feel like I want to read why did they make this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear a technical like how they made it. I don't even care about necessarily their inspirations, you know, because a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm inspired by so and so's past works kind of stuff. Like I don't care about that. Because I don't want to feel like one thing that a lot of people do when they do artist statements that I read a lot is they they actually quote really famous people. And then if I don't know those famous people, I feel like an idiot while I'm reading it. And I don't want to look at art where the artist is making me feel stupid. Uh-huh. But that might be my issue. <laughs> it could be. But, but I think, no, 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 but I mean, I think that's a, it, it, it's a really valid point. And Latoya, so I, 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 I TA'd for Latoya Ruby Fraser, who's an incredible photographer. Um, last uh what at the beginning of this year and she she was teaching advanced photography um to 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 undergraduates and we spent a lot of time talking about or thinking about our statement Um, they're very important these days like they've become very important because of having to write grants and having to go to residencies and that being the way that you get 
into the art world and quote unquote, you know. Um, so you write your own artist statements, both of you. You don't hire curators. You don't hire outside writers to help you. No. Grassroots. Mm-hmm. I think I didn't even they, know people did that. I guess you can. They yeah. do here and there. I mean, I guess it's like, it's, wow. I mean, but then it goes back to the thing. I mean, if you're a bad writer, then yeah, shit. <laughs> get someone else to write that. You know what I mean? Like, you need to get in the door, you know, and like that, that's, that, that's a way in the door. Then there's those people who probably don't need an artist statement because the work, I don't know. I was going to say, if your work is good enough, does it even matter what your artist statement says? I think so. You think so? I think so. And I'll tell you what I think Yeah, so. no, you're right. It does, it does. <laughs> but just, you know, not even, it's not even going to be a tangent. I think it matters because at the end of the day, it's like, there's always going to, there's always going to be like you, the parts of the work that you can't understand if it's strong work. Yeah. I think that there's yeah, always yeah, an yeah. air of mystery and people want a little bit of view into it mm-hmm. without it, the work being as blatantly didactic, right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I think the artist statement is the in-between. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it frames it. I mean, it frames it. It, it creates a history for you. It creates a, a, a space that you can also start to draw linkages between it and other pieces of work. And if you don't have that, then it just... It's just a free-flowing signifier. Yeah, I like I like using the word context. Like yeah. it gives context to the work. Yeah, you know, sort of fleshes out the world of the artwork in some way. Yeah, that's my my vocabulary for it. But then that's it. That's all you need to do. Then is, is give that context. Yeah, you know, like that. That's as simple. You don't need to do no other stuff. It's just give the context. That's real. And yeah. say why, why this context, and why? why do you have a relationship to that context? That's so hard to do. I mean, I like for personally, I remember, okay, when, I remember when I made my master's thesis, it was this book and I had all these little pompous, arrogant ideas of like why I did this and that. And I was like, ooh, I used the special mediums for this and whatever. <laughs> but 15 years later, I can now look back at that and I go, yeah, uh, everything I said about what I was doing, that was a bunch of bullshit. Like mm. what I was really doing was this, hmm. and and it was, I was fooling myself. Uh, like I was in school, and I was so I was being forced under a you know a, a time pressure and a, and a grade pressure yeah. to come up with something, and I came up with something, and it was and at the time it sounded totally legit. In hindsight, fifteen years later, I look back at it, and I'm like, that's the bi- biggest bunch of pompous bullshit I've ever written. Yeah, but it worked, but it wasn't truthful. Yeah, I'll speak to it real fast. You know, uh, we had these junior reviews at CCA, and anyone can attest to it who went to my undergrad. If you failed the junior review, you had to redo your junior year on your own pocket if you was on some scholarships too. And so the funny thing was, is like it was high stakes. A lot of people, and the graphic designers definitely had to redo their year um, if they if they screwed up. Because um, I know somebody who did. She's cool. She's all right. I know, <laughs> I know I know somebody in our grad program in San Francisco Art Institute that we do like after year one they do a review yeah. and if they don't think you're worthy you have to repeat year one and they actually did that to one of our students and we were all like oh that's my god that's rough I mean it's gonna make you be on point but it is rough and I'll tell you um, I was stressing out really badly but I couldn't write an artist statement and then I just decided I said. And this was goofy back then, but I said, I'm going to make this artist statement riddled with like intellectual colloquialisms. This is what I said to myself. I said, because I want there to be a certain level of ambiguity here so that they can create what they want to create out of it. It has to mention the actual thing I'm doing at some point. It has to say, I did this on this medium, like use this medium on this thing, this substrate, and then say, and leave a room like asking a question. I just said, I'm going to do that. And you ask questions in a statement? I did, and I got an award for it. That's why I'm saying <laughs> I got money. What? I got money for that. I didn't just pass. I got I got cash handed to me. For oh. your statement. For my statement. With a question in it. With a question. Which to me is horribly ironic. Like I hate when a statement has a question. Like that, those are opposing positions. You can't oh. put a question in a statement. But that's art though, isn't it? <laughs> really <laughs> you make you maybe you make this statement an extension of your artistic practice Ugh. i mean there are people that definitely do that right now nah, you're just bullshitting 
but you're having fun doing it, and it sounds good while you're saying it. Uh, that's but off. I the think it's the it's the British accent, though. That's always. I'm sure that helps. That's why I went to America. All right. Okay. So artist statements. We got that sort of under our belt. Your your experiences with those. So uh, grants. Have either of you applied and or received grants? Yeah, I've gotten four. Four. You're 26 years old and you got four grants. Yeah, but this is time span between ages ages 19 to now. Okay, just here. Let me just be really clear on that. I'm 46 years old, and I've received one grant. Okay, cool. And that was just because I knew the people on the judging panel. Hey, I knew a couple. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. I mean. No, it's not great. That's I'm horrible at this. This is so like, and, but also again, I think this is partly a generational thing, and I think this is this is why this conversation about the contemporary art world is very different than. Because here I'll give you a perfect example. I'm of the age where I should and could be your professor Great at work. art school, yeah, and yeah. theoretically, I would be teaching you the things that I knew before I started this podcast. Which, since starting this podcast, I have realized are completely wrong. Great. At least you know it. At least you know it. I know. I want to cry though. <laughs> Well, that's quite scary as well, isn't it? Like, yeah, but that's what I'm saying is, is like man. most of the professors in academia right now who are your theoretically your professors are of my generation or older than me, and they are completely out of touch with yeah. the reality that you're living. Mm-hmm. We know that too. Yeah. I mean, we know a large group of people who come through those spaces like i think that there's a reality we understand about that like people need work right mm. some people see when people get in that nice teaching gig sometimes they're there for 20 years if they can be longer yeah we understand that this is more so their reality now and i think that people seek those who are usually the most active and they're the hardest to get a hold of right um so there's there's this weird romanticization happening in art school, like maybe it's always been there. Of it like, has. I know that this system's kind of working against me, but in a way, I'm hoping I'm about to be that lucky one. And that's how the lotto works. It's literally like the lotto. It's like, I'm going to be the one who strikes, even though I know 90% of this isn't supposed to work out. You know? <laughs> I think that's the logic behind it. 90%. You're being generous. It's like 99%. 99.9% don't work out. You mean in terms of making it in the art world or making it as a professor? Art world, yeah. Well, yeah. These days, I think like the op- the opportunities to be a professor, I think, are minimal for you all. Like, adjunct, right? I mean, well, yeah, adjunct, adjunct, adjunct but to ten, be tenured, yeah, yeah. Tons yeah. of adjunct work, but I'm saying like a secure job, a full time job, benefits the whole thing. Yeah, nah. not unless you're like big name. You know? Unless you have, unless you graduated from Yale Master's program. You would think. I mean, I got a couple of homies that, sh- that well, you yeah. know, they're struggling even though they came through there. Really? Yeah, well, because there's a falsehood to this. I was going to say, like, when I'm thinking of Yale, I'm thinking 20, 25 years ago. I'm thinking like Matthew Barney era. Kind they're of still Yale. doing their thing. Yeah. I mean, you can, yeah. you still got to give them, give them respect, but it's like, it's just not gonna be everybody, no matter where it is. It's true. And that's tw- like that's twenty five people that go through there every year. We're about the same, but SAIC and Columbia is like ten. When you talk about the painting department, or I think, but either way, what I'm getting at is like, um, it's just never gonna be everybody. Right. And that's one thing that if that I think we inherently know, but mm. people still go, but I'm gonna be that one. You know, you won't have the gumption if you're gonna you're gonna spend that much money. You still think you have to believe that you're somewhere in the back of your mind, like I'm gonna be that one though. I'm gonna make it, no problem. Even if you're not, you still think it. No way you gave these people your money to think I'm gonna be mediocre and jobless the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> but 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 you're making while we're really saying bad. that, while 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 saying that. The thing that is also really important to understand, and, and, and this again, I feel like I got so much knowledge from Latoya. She just like spent most of the class dropping knowledge. Yeah. The art market, and maybe she's wrong, but according to Latoya, the art market is the third largest market in the world. So it's arms, it's pharmaceuticals, and then it's the art market. That's great. So when you- Good for us. 
No, but literally, and so it's easy. So on the one hand, it's easy to be like, not everyone's gonna make it, and like that's part of a mythos around like the 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 celebra, the the artist celebra of like. But there's also when there's that much money involved in the art world because like rich people want to hide their money and not pay taxes. Yeah. Then there's also a lot of opportunities to, okay, yeah, not everybody's going to be your David Hammond and not everybody's going to be, you know, the next massive name, but there's plenty of opportunity to make a living as an artist. Okay. But I'll give you a caveat on that. Most of the massive, like I would say probably 75% of the money that you just discussed yeah. is in the secondary market and it doesn't actually go to the artist. That, clever, yeah, 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 yeah. Whew, That's clever true. point. Yeah. That's a clever point because <laughs> I think yeah. that um, like I knew, um, I was talking with this guy, he runs, he like, uh, he rents studios out of the Bay Area. So he has a bunch of property. And he makes money off of just renting it to artists. And he got in on the ground floor with a piece from an artist that he was able to flip for a lot of money. But it's just like when me and Rohan was just talking about this this afternoon. He met that person in their studio and paid them like $5,000. And to them, that was like a grant. Mm-hmm. That was like, whoa, I just got $5,000 in my hand. That's like and a year's rent. It's fabulous. Yeah, they were excited. And then they were like, but now this person, 5K ain't nothing to what they make. Yeah, they do okay. They've actually done well and made good in their career, but now it's like that person flipped them like for a lot of money, and they didn't get that straight up. So, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. There's a lot of aftermarket. There's, yeah, a lot of aftermarket. But and and then that's about how how well you can control the market for your work as well. But 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 the reason I said that is not to say, oh, all of that money is going to artists. But I think it's important to recognize as because cause we can all as artists play into the myth of the starving artist like that's that's how you do it you starve for as long as possible or not for as long as but you starve and then you make it or you don't but like but if you if you recognise the fact that there is there are these economies around it you can also start to understand as is the point of this podcast mm-hmm. how it all works and therefore how to be in it not blindly I have the biggest issue, and I'm I'm getting more and more angry about this term "starving artist." The, the more I'm doing this podcast, because have you ever heard of a starving banker? Have you ever heard of a starving dentist or a starving doctor? Why should artists be starving? Well, I mean, even though you could argue for it, people find a physical need for those things. Like people fight to the nail to get a job to say, "I can have dental." They don't fight to the nail to say, I need to make sure I can put my money into art. You know, it's a different level of care around the idea of what we think is okay. essential. Versus okay. No, not. no, that's fine. That's fine. I'll go with that. Starving architect. Starving. You need a place to live. <laughs> Here, wait. Starving stripper. Okay. They be starving. Hold on. Don't think, <laughs> don't think they out here. Everybody's, you know. They be not the starving. strippers I knew. They, I mean, what was this, Ross? Very well off. <laughs> <laughs> very well off. It's all different game. Washington, D.C. Okay. Very well off. Oh, yeah. Yes. But, but, but yeah, the, but I do, but that is, it's, it's this thing of the, the starving artist. Like what, it, also the other thing I think that we need to be honest about, and and again, I can't speak for every all of my peers' financial situation, and I wouldn't want to actually, because that would be, that would be ingenuine of me. But I think also a lot of people who do go to grad school have, and I think now, I don't think that's always been the case, but I think there are a lot of people at grad school, at least certainly the most elite grad schools, who can afford that. So there are a lot, because of the way that the art market is currently structured, I think that there are a lot of people who are making art and then who maybe get gallery representation who have the means to do so as well. You know, so like, and again, I don't, I, I can't say that with like, I, I don't know the art world well enough to like make that as a blanket statement, but I do think that there are, the way that the art market also is going, or the way that the art school, the, the amount of money people have to pay to go to art school, there might be an argument to be made that it also is creating a very particular type of person that can afford to be an artist. Yeah, I mean, I remember my one of my exes, uh, she was very honest with me about like, 
how does your family feel about that you've chosen this career if you don't come from and she was being, she's not she wasn't american you know she was keeping it you know completely honest when she was saying that like you guys can't you guys are kind of you know subjugated and put at the bottom of the totem pole so to speak in a lot of ways so you being like a black man in america a lot of doors inherently close on you so and then, and then on top of that you're an artist yeah. which even more doors are closed on you right and so the thing is my answer to that my answer usually always is is like you know i don't want to fail at something i know i'm going to inherently be mediocre at I'd rather fail at something that I at least think I have a good shot at doing well. I, there's a lot of people out there that could be a lot of things. I'm not the cat that could have just been a doctor, but I chose to be an artist. And there are plenty of people like this. I'm not that. I'm just, I, okay, if I make it in art, great. If I don't, I was going to be doing something else that was probably not as great anyway. So I'm totally comfortable with like that do or die thing around art because of that fact but i think it's a very fair question to ask you know hmm. moving back to grants and residencies how about residency so rohan you are currently on or on a residency yeah. here in berlin in berlin yeah. yeah and have you kevin have you done any residencies yeah i've done over five what? I... oh God. kevin's the man I nah, didn't already know. Kevin's do mad. not pray me like that. Do you, can you imagine some of these <laughs> can people? I hire, out the can I hire you to like write my uh, application or something? Please, if I'm a man, you, <laughs> you see some of these monsters out there, these art monsters doing everything. I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I'm 46 years old and I've had one residency, which I didn't even apply for. It was actually an award. So I didn't even, I've gotten zero. But in all honesty, I've probably only applied for two or three residences are this great enigma for me like I, i'm absolutely fascinated by them mm. i think they sound magical like this like a unicorn running over a rainbow to me like they're just this fantastical thing so tell me give me some experiences well i was gonna say rohan should speak to his because he beat out almost the entire school to get his only like one to two people get the residency he gets and almost everybody in the fine arts department applies for this residency. I applied for that residency. I didn't get it. So mm. people should know these things before you call somebody the man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I think what's fascinating about residency is how different they all can be, you know? Um, there are some that are, I'll speak to mine, is that I think what is beautiful about the residency that I've been um, awarded in Berlin is like it gives me time and space and a studio and, and like and, and I realised exactly and that's, all we, that's want. all we want like I just realised what it is all for you know like it really is about having time and space and when you have that and you take time that, space and money time space and money money helps. although yes time space and money although in a way the reason we earn money is to have time for time and space, and space. Yeah, you know so it's kind of like this instant no, like, but, it, but if you can find a residency that will give you time space and money oh that's the like, that's yeah, that's yeah, your yeah, unicorn yeah, making yeah, love to a unicorn yeah, on a rainbow. I mean, that's fucking definitely absolutely amazing. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, that's that that's been my experience in the last. You know, I've been I've been here for five weeks now, and my experience has just been having that opportunity to be in my studio. You know, to 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 walk from my bedroom into a studio space and to think and to sit and to write and to 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 think about what steps I'm making to move forward in my work and to expand my work like that is the value of that, the kind of residency I'm doing. So other residencies, I think, and, and you can probably speak to this, Kevin, as much as it's also, that it's also about the community and the notion of speaking and being in dialogue with another group of people who are with you. And so then it's, it's not just about your own time and space, but about time and space that becomes amplified by the voices of others that you're in, in dialogue with. Um, and, and that, you know, you get that at school, you get that by going to school for sure. I think a residency does something different in that you don't have the same directives. You know, school is still metered around, like has a rhythm that is academic, you know? And so as much as it is about creativity and imagination, it also puts you into the confinements of what that system already suggests is necessary to do. Whereas like a residency is the benefits of the time and space that you paid for to be in school, but without the kind of rigidity of, of that 
infrastructure. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I feel I feel the same way about a lot of it. Um, the one that I can think about that stood out the most to me was when I was uh, in residence at the Bemis Center for Contemporary Arts. You were at Bemis? Yeah, oh, Bemis was great. So envious. Man, that was the residency. You, it was two months as well. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Out in Omaha, Nebraska, though, right? It's beautiful out there because you just in a giant warehouse. It's 10 of you. Uh-huh. You guys got these 800 square foot plus studios. Mm. And then a giant factory across the street. You could just make wood cuts, <sighs> do all types of crazy stuff. So I made my wind chimes out there, right? But it's just having that ability and time and space but it's also important for young artists I think to know that like the rug is going to get pulled out of you once you get done with that residency this is where the money part comes in what I think Rohan's speaking about about a certain type of individual who has the money to do it right one thing that I find fascinating too is like you're going to go to something like Bemis you're going to make these big beautiful sculptures how do you transport those and then how do you store those I didn't, I mean, I was, I think that we were kind of keen to like, we can't do that, but I knew this cool, I never met him, but this cool dude who came like the summer, I came in the fall of 2018, Um, so it was just this last year, but this guy who came out of Columbia, he made this giant arc, he built this giant arc there, and he had it broken down into pieces, and he had sent it to a gallery, so it's possible, but he made it like it was like eight foot tall but then you have to have a gallery who's willing to take it you know like if, yeah. you, if you hadn't yeah. had that gallery yeah like, where know, would what? it be it would be in some storage unit yeah. somewhere he that, money. that he had yeah. to pay his own money to ship there to and then he had to pay to continue to store it like i got this buddy of mine in in uh, prague that he does uh, monumental stone sculptures yeah and I'm like, where do you store those when they're not on exhibition and he said that he's got an entire like field that he owns that he just like puts them out in the field and just like you know hires a forklift whenever he needs to take it somewhere i'm like you hire a forklift and like i'm like like it's just yeah those things are like they 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 boggle your mind a bit and and that can stop i I do works on paper and i think that's very cumbersome i'm like oh my god i've got to get a tube for this (laughs) i wish (laughs) but you know that what i was getting at though is like to that same degree like it's awesome when artists can be kind of music kind of like magicians like that because i think people look at it like dang you were able to pull that off and how did you pull that off i think that's what brings that kind of folklore around you right like Mm how did you do that but in reality like when i left bemis center i struggled to find work like for a solid three months it was Mm -hmm. rough it was like see a lot of people would see the magic of like oh you went to Bemis and you went to this residence it's hard to get they paid me while I was there I had all this awesome opportunity but when I came back I was struggling and I had to figure that out and um, I think that it's good to try to plan them like I'm going to be going to this I got into this residency called Real Time and Space Um, great name for what we're talking about out in Oakland um, Oakland, California they Uh do an exchange with France too Uh but um, they pay you to go and it's like a little like workshop space and from I've, I've done lots of different residencies where they all have different little models mm. and I think in the end it really should be about the artist planning how does this fit into like two months before and like six months out after it shouldn't just be like I have this awesome residency opportunity just go like it really should be like you have solid plans around what you're making and what right. you're doing and that fits in. And I think ideally the residencies do want that. But it's up to you to really structure your year and years to fit that. Interesting point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because you got to think about that. If, if you're paying rent, then and you go away for two months, like, then are you, you know, have, are you subletting your room? Are you subletting your apartment? Uh, or can you afford to pay for your apartment while you're at your residency you know? I did that at Bemis right. yeah because you were paying back in Chicago right? yeah, yeah. And it's a wrap it's not it's, it's not good if I didn't have a grant I got a grant um, oh from, yeah from school yeah. yeah but if I didn't get that and you know I didn't get the huge one I got like 4k which yeah. is amazing I mean it's amazing but it's like you know it's the difference between okay that's gotta make that's gotta be my rent now I'm still working yeah so yes yeah, it's, it's little things like that well, I think it's interesting that that, that sort of put, uh, maybe you could put it as like the the post residency 
withdrawals almost like yeah almost a little bit of depression that happens after you're done like, like, like <laughs> I mean, does this happen i mean i'm sort of asking not telling man i mean for me yeah i think <laughs> i did my first it's like but it depends right on the type of residency like sure. like rohan being here like in berlin right like when rohan leaves berlin to go to london or go back to chicago like that would be a very different context to be making so it could be exciting it could be a little deflating it could be a lot of different things right yeah. for me when i did my first residency at kala art institute in berkeley it was a print shop but you didn't live there you had to show up make your prints and leave right when um not I, quite so immersive really not immersive when i was at acre acre was this um, mm. um one out in steuben wisconsin you're out there on this big like farm that's owned by this old Dutch couple, and um, I believe they're Dutch. So apologies if not. Um, but they. Um, I know the woman is Dutch. She's Dutch. Okay. Yeah. You were there, right? Did you go? I went out there for the for the curatorial fellowship. Yeah. Okay, right yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. It's like a huge giant. Um, you know, like and so you're there. You're very immersed. It's not even like you don't even get Wi-Fi up there. Like you nah, very. Yes. Yeah, you are you in there you there you there so when you come back and you know it could be euphoric or not but it's like it's definitely i've had the highs and lows of that final question which i'm sort of excited because neither of you have heard this yet i believe you will probably have the most interesting insight on it as part of the podcast one of my ideas was to create a tangible goal that I'm trying to achieve. Now, this is an arbitrary goal. I made this up for the podcast, so bear with that. I would like to learn how the art world works effectively enough to get a piece of my artwork in the Museum of Modern Art in New York hmm. on exhibition. Just one piece. Mm -hmm. No solo show. I don't want to be in the collection. I want to be on exhibition. Okay. So, what I'm asking for you... Mm. Not even a problem. That's a really cool How goal. do I do it? Oh, and whatever you tell me to do, I will do. And I will keep everybody involved by being completely transparent about the entire process in the podcast. Okay, cool. So you're getting advice from every single person who uh -huh. comes on. Every gallerist, every artist, every curator, everybody. And they and some of them give me some stupid things, which in all honesty, I'm not going to do. Okay. Like one person said, fly a drone in with your artwork into the museum. I mean, that's just dumb. I'm not going to do that. But, yeah, you get so, arrested for that. Exactly. Basically, nothing illegal. Like, what I'm right. asking for is I want to learn how the art world works. Yeah. So working within the system. Mm. To get a piece of your work on exhibition at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Yes. Mm hmm I got a couple of ideas off the Yeah, right out the damn, gate. already? Yeah. You already... Hustler. You know, I'm a hustler. Yeah. I wanted to come to Berlin how Rohan did. When I didn't, I was just like, I'm going to come another way. And here we are. <laughs> um, I think what I would do, this is my thoughts, you got to find a curator who's worked with them in the past. Not someone who's currently there. Because then what's going to happen is... They're constantly getting put in a space or position where people want to get something from them. I found people be the most generous when it's like, I can point you in the direction of someone else to do labor on your behalf. So it's always important, I think, to think about those people-to-people -people relationships. Mm -hmm. Because if you met a curator who used to work there and had that power, but it's like, now nah, I work in Tennessee, but I like you. I think you're interesting, or I think this, this, and that. And I still have relations with X, Y, and Z. Then they could point you in that direction. And I think then what would happen is is you could really open up that dialogue. Because they're never going to let you in that gate on something aggressive. It has to be like, oh, you know, hey, you used to work at the moment. I want to ask you to be on my podcast. Because I want to ask you. How can I get this in there? And that's going to be the frame, the context of our conversation. Mm. And then keep it uh, completely honest with them. Like, I really want to get in here. How would you, could you point me in the direction of somebody that could help me get in there? Mm -hmm. And they're going to have a direct relationship with that place. If you ask us about how to get a hold of like somebody in the photo department at SAIC or the painting department, we're going to put you in the right hands right away. We're right. not going to put you in like third party people. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because like if I came to you and wanted to get in touch with these people in the painting department, you're not in the painting department. Not anymore. So, so, and this is what you're saying is like, so don't go for the people in the painting department because they currently won't, currently because they won't answer you or, or care or whatever. But go for people that either have have some tangential red, uh, relationship or previous relationship l- directly to the people who are currently in there. Yeah. And they will be the sort of helpful gatekeepers to get you in. Yeah, most power like moves it. are lateral. I like it. Say that one more time. Well, no, it's just it's a philosophy in mind. Most power moves are lateral. So it's like, you know, if you're going to move up in the world, I think you shouldn't think about it as trying to get above people or use people. I think the way I think of power moves is lateral because it's like we're going to move um, on an equal plane and mm-hmm. learn from each other, like what you're doing. The reason why I think power moves are lateral is because in the end it's like when you are really like hungry for opportunity hungry to take you ever heard this thing where people say like emotional vampires right oh i feel drained after i hung Mm. out or spoke to this Mm. person um usually it's because it's not a very equal exchange so i think the most powerful people you meet almost make you feel like it was a gift you were around them you know so I don't do it in this like way of just trying to get something out of it, but I look at it like um, you give, you get. So I try to always think like, and you're humble about when you try to take, because like, hey, I might, I really need it. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask you for it. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're trying to get a painting in the moment, it's like that's an important landmark for a lot of artists, right? But there's a lot of space that's been in there that's been like taken away from good people. Like I had a good friend. She just showed at the Brooklyn Museum. She went to Yale. But she, um, while there might be a lot of artists in Yale who was up in there, she's like a LGBT artist, you know, who was making work about in a Stonewall exhibition. So yeah. it's like super important that she's up in there and not me right, right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think if you're going to be like, hey, I want some space in the moment right now for my work, that hopefully along the way, you kind of are meeting people and you're not just trying to directly go to the source and say, hey, I deserve this. But that people who could vouch for you along the way would be like, no, you know, this guy, he deserves some of this space. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to aggressively do this. It's The idea of it is is that, as I said, like the, the intention of the podcast is to learn how the industry of the arts market and system works. So it's mm-hmm. basically, I want to learn how it works. So if part of that is learning what you just said and taking that on, mm-hmm. that's the learning I get yeah. that I can then utilize to achieve this tangible representation of the theoretical success of the podcast. Kind yeah. of an idea. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. It's not like my personal goal. Like I'm not going like, damn it, I deserve to be in MoMA. <laughs> like, no, hey. it's not that. And you know, there's nothing wrong with I that. I deserve to be in the Guggenheim, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> is that better? That's cool. It's, it's, no, it, Tate Modern. Tate Modern. Tate Modern. Oh, wow. Tate Modern. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm all about the Tate Modern. I might have to right fight tooth the nail for the Tate Modern. modern. <laughs> what you think? I'm, we all want to get into Tate Modern, right? I mean, again, I mean, those things are so... Everyone wants... Actually, I don't know. Does everyone want to be in those spaces? That's, that's another really valid question, because I have a question that you kind of pose as like a as a rebuttal to to that goal which i know the the point of the goal is is again not about your work per se as as much as understanding how everything works well but like well that leads to the question basically like is having an in a piece in an institution like that a def a the appropriate definition of a success that i I should be trying like trying to emulate or is there some other thing And, and i mean i think that that completely depends on the individual, doesn't it? I mean, everybody... Because I was having this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday and we, we, I said that same thing about the art market being the third largest market in the world. And da, 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 da. So everybody, you don't have to be a starving artist. And she made the point, like, yeah, but also that is very particular to particular mediums as well. You know, the money is, the money is present for very particular mediums, you know, as a performance artist there's not the same money as there is yeah, for Yeah, that would be interesting to see that statistics of the, that and yeah, break it down by where, discipline. By <laughs> discipline. But then also there are lots of people who make art who have no interest in that kind of representation. You know, mm-hmm. the point of the making art is 
is to show to their friends or to show to the people they love or to for them to look at themselves you know and, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of outsider arts mm, like mm, i'm mm. like and like uh henry darger and there's this there's this guy whose name i can never remember but he did this piece in washington dc where he was a janitor in the school system uh-huh. and and when he died they found this thing that they've now defined as art uh-huh. but it was actually a throne room to the second coming of jesus christ that he had created from the trash from the dc school system that's crazy it is amazing and i i saw this when i was in like fifth grade uh-huh, as a guest, uh-huh. like, on a field trip it was just like mind-blowing because on top of that he wrote a not one book but five books uh-huh. in a language that only he and jesus christ can read if anyone could yeah, the, the, the only the only two people can the, that can read the language that this book was written in were he and Jesus Christ and the he second said he, coming he, of Jesus Christ. He clearly wrote that in a language that was legible. In the yep on yeah, the first book he said this this, this book is for is me only. and Jesus Christ. <laughs> the oh, second coming of Jesus so Christ. Like personal meditations basically. Yeah. He's like it's like a prayer. But, but he but he made this with no intention of anybody ever yeah, seeing, seeing it. it. Right because it was other than Jesus him Christ. and him and Jesus Christ and that's it. That's yeah that's heavy because it was amazing and people like nsa has tried to decode these books like nobody can decode it. no nobody knows maybe he but, didn't he actually know it might just be total gobbledygook maybe the guy was but then even that is incredible nuts. to write that much in total gobbledygook do you know what I mean? hand handwritten five books double sight i mean it's insane yeah that's wild but anyways but yeah, yeah. I mean, but it goes so, back yeah, to the point goes, of like yeah. Why do we make the things we make? What's what's the yeah. symbol of validation that we're all seeking? Is it is it an institutional exhibition? Is it financial stability? You know, going back to your like owning something, building something kind of thing. Like like what is the 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 definition of success that we are all trying to achieve? Mm. Uh, yeah, I think we're all said it though. It's particular to the person. It is particular. But but then I mean I guess we we are also speaking about the art world. Right, mm. I mean, and and that is, that's not art, you know. Like that, that's the other thing to kind of like. The art world is not all art. That which one of those has a capital A? Which has a lowercase a? The lowercase a has to be the outsider art because yeah, art. they don't care about the the alphabet like that. They're not worried about <laughs> who's capital, who's not. So it's obvious. But that's not even just outside, because because then because because does outsider art mean people that didn't go to school for art, right? It's just people that don't have like an education. Yeah, outsider art is generally defined as people with no formal training. No formal training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and that's kind of a strange classification because there's a lot of people like that who are very successful, who are not necessarily classified as outsider artists. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I, well, maybe well, not. Reverend Finster, who ended up being very lucrative career later in life i mean he ended up doing like album covers for bands and stuff like this right right there's all kinds of different outsider artists that have been successful so i mean well basquiat is basquiat technically a outsider artist absolutely you know he didn't have any formal training but no one says basquiat is an outsider artist and that's what i'm getting at i'm like come on you know yeah it's kind of like almost seems like a, a classification to make the people who got duped feel a little bit better you know like hey, i spent uh you know and i'm one of the duped people so anybody who's listening a hundred thousand dollars in the hole and oh i'm so smart you know it's like <laughs> i'm inside well but I'm you're but, well, no no but you're in berlin <laughs> you know yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely inside. We are. Yeah, you, the two of you seem to be much more well-connected with the contemporary art market than me, for sure. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I, I thought about this before. This would probably be a good footnote towards the ending. But one of my most successful friends, I won't put his name out there because he's, you know, he just don't like his name being put out there. But he makes a lot of money off art. I mean, we're talking about he's got big collectors. He's a young dude. He's younger than me. Got big collectors. Made over 30 K, something like that, make it in art. But um, when he took a class on how to make it as an artist, he was telling me that um, he had a professor who told him, like, you just need to get a job as a bartender and make your work on the side. And he was, and me and him were chilling, laughing one time, talking about there are people who go to school to be a bartender. Why do we take their job? Because we want to be an artist. He was mm. like, that don't even make no sense. So right off cuff right there you see that mentality has led him to be very specific about what he does 
he makes money off what he does. He doesn't eat, like, he doesn't really do anything else. And so, except make his work. And so I think that there's different levels of connection, you know? Um, you know, he did that from his home, you know what I mean? Working every day on what he does. And I think there's a, this, this, this trend of us trying to be at the door and knock at other people's door and ask them for things and take, take, take. Until again, I'm like this big name in the art world, and that is, and I think people become who get really sharp about how this thing works. Finds out it's not that simple, and it's not take, take, take. It's a lot of give, and then when you get that opportunity, you receive. You know, so that's I think that's really important. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. And 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 sticking with it. I mean, that goes back to like, oh, and this sounds it's so cliche, and it's like you but it's so real because if you can stick with it and I say that with the caveat that there are lots of people who have stuck with it and are still toiling away so it's not that everybody that sticks with well but also you're going to get the grants you're going to travel you already travel you're already you're here so that's that's more connected than a lot of other that's people that's a lot more connected than a lot of people you managed to get Kevin through having a conversation with the gallery you know <laughs> no, no, and I don't mean that to like put you on a pedestal but I mean like that that that, that was I'm an honor level to have of you here, Kevin. Thank you for, for gracing me with your presence. Well, I'm an insider artist, so <laughs> I accept you. <laughs> and you and you have the hundred thousand dollars in debt to prove it. Yeah, real talk, I do. But, but that is that that's what you pay to be an insider artist, literally. You know, these days, yeah, that, it is. And and that's about getting to the point to have the connections to somebody that might know somebody who used to curate at the MoMA that might end up being someone that likes your work and can get you in that collection and that's that's why people pay a hundred thousand dollars to go to school because you could easily spend a hundred thousand dollars instead just on your work right i mean if you're going to spend that much money why not just do it on your work and it's because you could spend that on your work but nobody sees it or cares or cares because you don't have those connections which is that's it's messed up in some way that's like it's deeply messed up because it, it just shows you that there's like there are gates there are multiple gates for, for, for being able to be relevant within um, the space of that art world with a capital A um, in, in quotations. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I couldn't put it any better. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much for all of your time and your wisdom and your insights. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Kev, you had Kev, and I just came along for the ride. <laughs>